You're listening to the Regent College Podcast. The season of Advent, which begins on the first Sunday of December, will shortly be here. I pray that this homily will help you prepare for this great event within the deepest recesses of your heart and soul, the festival of the Christian calendar that we call Christmas. The Greek word for Advent, parousia, referred to the privileged visit of a Roman emperor to a Roman city, which was often commemorated by the erection of a new civic monument or a new coin for its commerce. How far greater is the celebration of the incarnation of God becoming man to enter our imminent world of space and time as the source of all transcendence. Cosmologists have a staggering to accept the Big Bang theory that all the cosmos was birthed some 14, 16 billion years ago. But we are celebrating the event of the Incarnation before even the cosmos was created. For it was eternally the nature of God to love and to embrace human beings to dwell with and within them as Emmanuel, God with us, indeed God within us. Truly says the Apostle, God with us is the hope of glory. As my dear friend and colleague Bruce Walkie and I struggle to compose our third volume on the Psalms, Psalms of Redemption and Creation, 
we're realizing in awe and wonder that our redemption proceeds in the mind and will of God, the creation of the cosmos. The Christian calendar has given us then four Sundays to reflect upon the length, breadth, depth and height of the love of God for us before we actually celebrate Christmas Day on December 25 and the next two Sundays. Then in the epiphany season of the month of January, we begin with the appearance of the baby Jesus to the three Magi and end with the appearance of Jesus exalted in the heavens in his encounter with Saul of Tarsus as well as to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. It is this very rich season where imminence and transcendence are joined. It is living our own lives by the clock with Kronos, yet living also in the mystery of Kairos, time eventful and salvific as God's time. You may have seen the drama or read the book by Samuel Beckett, the Nobel Prize winner, Waiting for Godot. It plays with Kronos, Kairos. The two tramps bored how long they have to wait by the clock, yet highly anticipatory if Godot does arrive to utterly change their lives. And as you can see, Godot is really a play on the name of God. It is like Christmas time, when a little child eagerly awaits the gift Santa will bring down the chimney, or when the child sings with deep faith, when Jesus comes into my heart. The event can be so trivial, or it can be so majestic, beyond all human words. Let me first of all begin by suggesting that we reflect on First of all, the proclamation of God's presence as shalom. A voice of gladness has run through our land, cries the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 117. A voice of rejoicing and of salvation in the tents of the sinners. Like a military shout of victory to set the prisoners free. Creation shouts out too as the mountains give praise and jubilation, and as the trees of the forest clap their hands before the face of the Lord. For he is coming, and the sea roars, and all that is in it. This is, of course, a reflection to Isaiah 55, verse 12, as well as to Psalm 96, verse 12. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is born as a babe in Bethlehem of Judea, the most despised peasant territory of Judah, which means confession. Indeed, what good can come out of Bethlehem or Nazareth, we are asked in John 1 verse 46, meaning the house of bread. Look then at his condescension. He came not to Jerusalem, the royal city, not even to a home, but born on a stable floor. Let us then dwell in the sanctuary of Judah in our confession and receive confidently in our arms and within our hearts the babe born in Bethlehem as our Lord and Saviour. Let Jesus Christ be born 
within our innermost being. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for presence is multivaried in meaning. Usually it is defined as completeness, which then ranges from being sound to having wholeness, well-being, health, tranquility, peace, concord, and friendship. It is the totality of an abundance of relational life. We cannot conceive of anything more superlative for the blessed life. It's used some 250 times in the Old Testament. It is the ironic blessing of Numbers 6, verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Echoes of blessing fill the gospel narrative of Luke, as when the shepherds are afraid when the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, yes, a babe wrapped up in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, a saviour, who is Christ the Lord. Then a heavenly host began their song, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. A second meditation is the theme that we have the humility of God's presence as the gift of childhood. And here we reflect on the simple verse of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's in the musical echo of the Messiah that the words ring in our ears, For unto us a child is born, unto us a child is given. Or in the Gregorian chant of the Middle Ages, we cite Purnatus S. Nobis. A child is born to us. A child is given to us. Not only has all creation been given to us, but he's given himself. The Lord of all the cosmos. What a gift indeed. The 12th century Cistercians reveal themselves most fully when they are contemplating this grace and mercy of God in the mystery of the Incarnation. Among them, Gregory of Igna, a successor of Bernard of Clairvaux, sees deep implications in this dative nobis of Christ as the child given to children. All the treasures of God are given to us in Christ, making himself a little child by which to receive the wisdom and the love of God in all humility. The sublimity of the gift is given to the simple in faith and to the humble of heart. This echoes our Lord's teaching on the nine Beatitudes, how God's blessings are given to and to be received. Begotten the eternal Son, he was born in, in time for us. 
As Gerig meditates, he says, it was not enough to become less than the angels by taking on our human nature, but he became less than a man by taking on the age of a helpless child. And being Emmanuel, Jesus Christ became the child God. A son is born for us. So Gerrit reflects again, how blessed child Jesus, how amiable is your nativity that rectifies our birth, betters our condition, repairs our defects, and repeals the decree of damnation against us. And if anyone is ashamed of being born retrobate, let him remember he can be reborn most blessed. But all those who did welcome him, he empowered to become the children of God. And confident in the hope of attaining glory as the sons of God. You can reflect on these two passages, John 1 verse 12 and Romans 5 verse 2. A third aspect of this great mystery is how the, the apostles themselves had varied experiences of God's presence. But did the disciples who recorded the incarnation all receive and experience Christ's presence among them in the same way? No, not at all. As the narratives are edited, they're all very different. Matthew is a Jew addressing a Jewish audience, interprets God's presence with his people, first genealogically and then within the confines of temple worship. He emphasizes too that the kingdom of heaven is for little children as he welcomes them into his arms in Matthew 16 and as he challenges the Jews of the need to become as a little child in chapter 18. Jesus' presence is in being a rabbi teacher with the new expression of saying everything in parables. Mark 2 reflects more the psyche of Peter, his mentor, very active, very busy, doing great works for the kingdom. But presence, no. Mark does not give it to us, not even like Matthew. But thirdly, it's the charismatic historian Luke in his unique presentation of his gospel of healing and of the further acts of the apostles after Pentecost who portrays the healing presence of the great physician followed by the Pauline mystical experience of being encountered by the presence of the crucified becoming radically identified no longer as Saul of Tarsus but now in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord, he reiterates 166 times in his writings. Then there's John, the beloved disciple, always in the presence of his Lord, as he leaned upon his breasts of grace and mercy. He alone records the triune presence of the Father with the Son in the Holy Spirit, in the unique prayer of John 17. 
This vignette of difference should comfort us that each of us too differently will experience and witness to Christ's presence intimately and uniquely different for the Good Shepherd calls us all by our own name. And now fourthly, we can speak of a metrics of God's presence in renewed ecumenicity. Since the Reformation, the tragic internecine debate among Christians as Protestants and Catholics have created a stark dichotomy between presence and absence. A coordinate or formula of Catholics equal presence and of Protestants equal absence. Both parties should be shocked to realise the futility of their debate. If God's presence is in all the cosmos as well as within our loving hearts, how can we debate over the mystery of God's presence? Although I do it myself when I get drawn into an ecclesial debate. Recently, I was in a Catholic Sunday morning service where the worship selected all the Puritan and Wesleyan hymns while the embrace given to all Christians to receive the Eucharistic meal was offered to all the worshippers and the glory of the musical worship profoundly moved me to experience the presence of the Lord as I have never witnessed before in my life. Remember that I am the son of parents who were stoned and persecuted for their witness as missionaries in Spain. But what a change God is bringing into our world today to bring us all together as brothers and sisters in Christ. As we close, let me ask you three questions. As I have done several times in this past year, in settings as different as being in the Faroe Islands, in Japan, in Hong Kong, in Brazil, as well as here in Vancouver. I've asked them all the same question. First of all, what is the earliest relational wound you can remember you received as a small child? As you think about that, and it may be that the earliest wound you can't remember, but you feel it's something there. But perhaps more likely, somewhere between the age of 12 before the age of puberty, there was definitely a wound that you recollect. Secondly, what compensatory behavior have you adopted to act as your own physician or redeemer to deal with that childhood wound? Again, it's reflecting on how that compensatory behavior, which of course gives you all the, the, the credit for success in life today, you uh, are still uh, beset by. And then thirdly, when do you now experience the presence of the Lord in your life? For God is always absent when our compensated behavior is strongly demonstrating that we're acting as our own Redeemer. No, it's when we have periods of crisis, of helplessness, emptiness 
even despair, that's when you are likely to experience strongly the presence of the Lord. It is then, and only then, that the Christmas message becomes so real and intimately so personal. Born-again Christians can tragically remain stillborn, never having much sense of the Divine Presence, while others like Brother Lawrence are experiencing the presence of God in every situation, all the time. So let us close in prayer. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be experienced as divine presence always and by all means. Amen. Thanks for listening to Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like to hear more content like this, you can find lectures, conferences, and entire courses at regentaudio.com. And to find out more information on Regent College's degrees and upcoming events, go to regent-college.edu.